0: Your business is on the runway, ready for takeoff, yet your team is not even making contact. You're exhausted, and the business needs to make more money to stay successful. What do you do next? Welcome to Ask the Coach with professional business coach Oliver Bazner. If you're ready to soar to new heights with your business and be the pilot of your own successful destiny, stay tuned. We're ready to roll. Now,
1: here's your host, Oliver Basner. Good morning, everyone. Oliver Basner here with Ask the Coach, and we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today. We're going to talk about sales. And so specifically, I'm going to take you through, um, at Sonic Coaching, I've developed uh, an entire sales process. It's called the 10 Ps of Selling, and that 10 Ps is going to take you through an entire sales cycle. So it doesn't matter if you're a large corporation, if you're a smaller company, you've got some kind of a sales cycle, whether you know it or not. And so what we're going to do is take you through each of these P's. And as we go through, they just become a full circle. So it becomes self-perpetuating. So very excited to be sharing this with you. And, uh, you know, really, it doesn't matter. I've worked in over four dozen industries now with clients. This works in every single industry. Everybody's got that sales cycle. And so, you know, often I've been been known to say telling is not selling. In fact, if you're telling to sell Without doing things like pre qualifying and asking great questions, it's almost a little bit arrogant or it could come across as arrogant. How can you possibly sell something when you don't even know if the potential client either needs it or wants it? And so, really, telling is not selling. And so, if you're going into a sales call and you're just going to download a whole bunch of information, it's probably not going to work. Now, when we go a little bit further, I've also said selling is not selling anymore. So traditional sales techniques don't work like they used to. You know, for years and years, you know, I've been in sales my, pretty much my whole life. And for years, it was all about, you know, giving the facts. Fact-based selling really works. If you give them the facts, customers pretty intelligent. They're going to be able to, you know, figure out what they need. And then somebody said, no, no, that doesn't work. Let's relationship-based sell. Well, again, relationship-based selling can backfire on you completely. It's not that people shouldn't know, like, and trust you to do business. In fact, we're going to talk about it later on the show. But what you're going to find. If you're just going in there trying to build a relationship, some people don't want a relationship with you until they're ready. You know, on my last last show, we had Margaret McClay on the show, and we were talking about assessments and personality profiles. Well, I can tell you a dominating or a directive-type personality, you know, think Arnold Schwarzenegger or Donald Trump, do not want a relationship with you until they're ready. First, it's about you know, answering their questions and and listening to them as to why they potentially want to work with you. And then from there, what you want to do is you want to wait for the cues that they are ready to do business with you and then build a relationship. I'll give you a great example of that. You know, just just a great example of how you don't want to go in and try and be everybody's best friend when you're in sales. And so uh, years ago, I was working with a client and she said, you know, I had this potential client I, I, that came in and he was such a jerk. Like he just grilled me the whole 45 minutes and he wasn't nice. And, you know, I was listening to her, right? And then, and then she goes, and then he had the nerve at the end of this to ask me to go for a glass of wine. So I said, so you closed them, And she said, yeah, how how'd you know? I said, well, first of all, he was more of a directive type personality. He wasn't being a jerk. He was just being very clear, telling you exactly what he wanted and why he wanted it. And at the end, he had decided that you had handled his questions and objections correctly. And from there, he was ready to do business with you. So he now wanted to go for a glass of wine. I said to her, I said, I hope you went. She said, of course I didn't go. I didn't like him. And I and I said to her, I said, well, you missed an opportunity. That opportunity will likely come up again. Make sure you don't miss it. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about how you should be selling, but we're going to talk about the sales process. We're going to talk about starting with the first P of 10 Ps. And by the way, if you listen... Uh, you know, to do the show, you're going to find that, that I actually have a bonus, uh, one of my bonus P's, which is P number 11. It doesn't fit into the cycle, but it's so important. So we talk about it right at the end. Now, what I want to talk about, the first P in the sales process is pre-qualifying. You now, how are you going to pre-qualify that prospect? How are you going to find out that what they are looking for and that you have the ability to actually provide it but better yet that they have the ability to pay otherwise you could be going through an entire sales process and not and then realize at the end they don't have the ability to pay you know I'll give you a great example of that you know uh, you, several years ago I worked with uh, a cabinet making company. And you know, one of the challenges was, you know, we're putting out all these quotes all the time, and you know, we hardly close all of them, right? Which is normal, right? You're gonna put quotes out, a certain percentage you're gonna close, and and their percentage they were closing was was well less than half, and so there was a problem there. And the first thing I said was, how are you pre-qualifying them? And they had no idea what I was talking about. You know they'd heard the word, but they said, "Well, we get a call and somebody asks for a quote, and you know we give them a quote on on new kitchen cabinets or or whatever living room or wherever they're getting the cabinets built, and um, and then we wait." I said, "But how do you even know that they can afford your services? That they are able to pay? That they're the right client for you?" And they said, we don't, right? So so they were obviously not pre-qualifying their clients. And so that's what we're going to talk about for a little bit here. That's the first P in the 10 P's of selling is you've got to pre-qualify the client. First of all, are they looking for your services? Let's be honest. Maybe they're not. Maybe they think they are, but they're not. So you have to ask some questions, right? So, you know, what, what's the reason that we're talking and, and, you know, what are you looking for and are they serious, you know, how do you know they're even serious or they're they're just tire kicking, right? Because you could waste a lot of time on tire kickers versus spending time on those people that are serious and are ready to make a commitment or at least in their minds are ready to make a commitment. And then what's their budget? You may as well get that off the table right right away because if you don't know what the budget is, then there's no point continuing. So let's say that you do high-end cabinets, which was the case with this company I was working with, but they're thinking they want, you know, cheap boxes that you can buy at a, at a retail store, at, at, you know, one of the box hardware stores. Well, there's a disconnect, because if they're thinking they're gonna get their kitchen done for a few thousand dollars, and you're thinking this is gonna be a $20,000 kitchen, there's a significant gap in expectations there. So find out what the budget is. And then what does their schedule look like? What's the timeline? you know, is the timeline fit in, in where you're able to even fit them in as a client or a potential client? You know, can you get the work done in the, in the amount of time that they're allotting? You know, I've, I've had, you know, clients where somebody might phone them and say, look, I need this done because I got family coming and, it, you know, it's a week before Christmas. Well, I'm sorry, but the timeline doesn't work. You know, that, that happened to a client of mine who owns a, a flooring company. And uh, he says, you know, we often turn down a lot of clients close to Christmas because we just are booked and we can't get it done, you know. And so, Who will be involved in the decision-making is the other thing that you want to really get clear on because you want all the decision-makers to be there when you're presenting and, and you're going through you know, the product or the service that you're going to offer. You know, I learned this the hard way early on years ago in my own coaching practice, where, you know, maybe it was uh, two partners or a husband and wife, but the husband could make it or the wife could make it, but the other one couldn't make it. And then I'd find that, you know, often the objection that you really can't deal with at that point is, well, I have to talk to my spouse or I have to talk to my partner. Well, the partner wasn't even in the room. They're going to talk to the partner who didn't even get the presentation the way I would give it and, and wouldn't necessarily see the value in working with me. So, you know, great example is, you know, I had a a partner of an IT company that I met years ago, you know, so they were in information technology, they had worked with a coach, so I knew that they had the ability to pay, right, they had worked with somebody previously, and uh, he had a partner, you know, because I asked, I said, who else will be involved in the decision making, he says, well, I've got my business partner, but, you know, don't worry about him, right, he's busy, he's out of town all the time, and so, you know, you and I can meet. And I said, well, it's really important that the three of us sit down and meet. And so I pushed back on him. Now, how often have you pushed back on a potential client, especially when you you want that client? And I did want that new client, right? But I just knew that if I didn't push back, it was going to be a complete waste of my time to have that meeting. And so I pushed back. You know, we ended up pushing that back. And he was chasing me harder than I was actually chasing him. He kept following up, and he said, no, let's meet. we got to meet. And I'd say, well, is your partner in town yet? No, he's still out of town. Well, okay, let's book it when he's back. Well, I don't know when he's back for sure. I said, great, let's connect again in a week and talk about it, right? Three months. It took three months before I actually sat down with those two partners, and I'm so glad that I waited because I got in their boardroom, right, for the first hour of the meeting, for 45 minutes of that first hour. The other partner was sitting at the table with his arms crossed, barely saying a word, even when I was trying to engage him. And so finally at the 45 minute mark, you know, I knew there was an elephant in the room. I just put it on the table. I said, okay, you know, it's obvious you don't want me here. Tell me what's going on. Why am I even here? Because your partner over here seems very excited and passionate about possibly working with me. And I'm getting the impression you could care less. And he said, you want to know why? And then he was open with me. All of a sudden he came out, he, un- 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 oh, he opened his arms up. They weren't crossed anymore. And he said to me, because we just finished working with another coach who, pay, who they were paying a lot more money. You know, I, I was shocked. And he said, and our business went down. And I knew exactly why that happened. And I explained it to him, and, and you know, kind of educated him on what was going on. Because you know, after 45 minutes in that meeting, I knew exactly what why they had where they had gone incorrectly down the wrong path, and why their sales and revenues had gone down. So, you know, that's the importance of pre-qualifying and making sure all the decision makers in the room. I absolutely refuse now to get into a meeting unless all the decision makers are going to be in the room. And if they want to all meet with me, then we just push it off, right? And because it's just, I found otherwise it's it becomes very difficult, almost impossible to close that sale. And then, the, you know, the other thing you want to think about in the pre-qualification stage is what's your gut telling you? What is the gut telling you, right? You know, women call it, you know, female intuition often. Men call it their gut. But I can tell you it will serve you well. You know, I I know I have a CEO who's a friend of mine here in Calgary. He runs a pretty large company. And his exact words to me one day over lunch was, you know, my gut has never steered me wrong. Right. So even though he he sometimes wants to do things, you know, if, if something's gnawing at him, it doesn't quite feel right or something's bugging him about, you know, pulling the trigger. He follows his gut. And he said it's never steered him wrong. You know, I'll give you a great example. You know, even on your personal side, trust your gut. And uh, this was years ago. Um, you know, I was I was married at the time, and uh, and my wife and I were looking at a new house for for myself and her and, and our four kids, and we found the perfect house, right? It was the right price, everything was right. You know, I really wanted to put an offer in on it, and um, you know, the, the, there was some resistance on the other side because of the you know where we wanted to go with the offer, but you know, we we wanted to put that offer in, and she said something just doesn't feel right. Like I just don't think we should go ahead, and I couldn't believe it because this house was you know seemingly perfect it had everything we were looking for you know so in the end we we did not buy the house we didn't put the offer in did not buy the house but i will tell you that i had the opportunity to go knock on the door of that house several years later when i was door knocking in the community and i said to the lady you know to kind of break the ice i said you know we almost bought this house right because she was a little resistant to me being at the door talking to her and she says really she says well you're so lucky you didn't let me show you why and she literally Dragged me into the house and drywall had been torn down, the ceiling was wide open. I guess the house had plumbing problems throughout it and they had to get the complete plumbing redone at, at tens of thousands of dollars cost. And so, you know, trust your gut. That's the bottom line. So when you're pre-qualifying, are they looking for the services you offer? Are they serious? What's their budget? What does their schedule look like? Can you know your timeline? Who will be involved in the decision making? Make sure that all the decision makers are there, and what's your gut telling you? So that's the pre-qualification stage. From there, from pre-qualification, you're going to move directly into making it personal. Now, here's how not to build rapport. Remember, I said not everybody wants to be your best friend. You know, you're not, you're not going to walk in and say, you know, hi, Mr. Prospect. Um, is that a fish on your wall there? By the way, you're, are you a golfer? Is that a picture of your family? What a good-looking bunch. Oh, do you travel much? I think you and I are going to have a great relationship. Come on, right? And we've seen salespeople go in there and try and build connection that way. I can tell you a friend of mine said that he had a a salesperson in his office one day who complimented him on his family, picture of his family in his office. He said, you know, your son, he looks just like you. Well, here's the thing. His son was adopted. So he knew, and he also knew his son looked nothing like him, right? And so in the end, what he was really saying was, you know, I don't trust you anymore because of the way the salesperson had treated them. So when you're when you're building that rapport, you know what you really want to do to build proper rapport is you want to think about what do you know about the potential client? Do some research before you're even in their office. It's critical right? So what's the research showing? What are the people saying online? You know, it's often I go into companies and they've never looked at their Google ratings, right? And their Google ratings are terrible in some of these companies and they have no idea the negativity that's being said about them out in the marketplace, right? So what's the research saying? You know, positive, negative, get to know the client, understand them before you even meet them. Now, the other thing you want to ask yourself, is there something that you need to research, not only about you know them but your product or service so you've done some research is there something you need to know you know maybe you you find online that this company is cutting edge or things you know they just like to be very progressive and that's how they're marketing themselves so maybe you need to do your own research is your product you're about to offer your service the most cutting edge and and how do you position it that way so that's something you want to make sure that you're doing on the make it personal you know there's just no excuses For not knowing enough about the product you're selling, right? Like, understand your product or service, right? Because that's what you do. If you can't even do that well, then, you know, how are you going to ever build that relationship and make it personal? Now, from there, you want to be prepared and be organized, right? I can tell you that, you know, again, coming back to my last show, we talked about the different personality styles, you want to make sure that you're not coming in late or being disorganized with certain personality styles. I can tell you that the directive type styles, they are done with you the minute you show up late. They don't want excuses. You know, it doesn't matter that there was traffic or that there's a snowstorm going on or, or a thunderstorm or whatever's going on. They just want you to be on time, right? They're there, why aren't you? That's really what they're thinking even if they're not saying it. And so you wanna make sure that that is something that you do. You're prepared, you're well organized, you arrive early. I always like to arrive early and get a lay of the land, and, and that's starting to make things personal. Start to talk to the receptionist, treat her well. That's part of making it personal. And then people can smell desperation a mile away, right? So the, the other thing you don't want to come across is that you're desperate. You know, you don't so how you do that is you just pretend in your head that you're doing well. That could be this is your first client. Maybe you're brand new, right? And and you really need this client. But you cannot let them smell the desperation. So you go in thinking, you know what? I've got lots of clients. I'm good. Everything's going to work well. And then the final thing is I always suggest to my clients under making it personal is visualize the outcome. Visualize your success. Breathe. Take some deep breaths before you walk in there. And that will calm you down. But visualize your success. And I can tell you that, you know, years ago I was talking to an Olympic skier um, and and I was on a call with, with this skier who told us. That before this person goes down the hill, before he goes down the actual ski hill, he has already visualized that hill and success going down the hill at least 100 times. That's before the skis ever touch the slope. That's part of making it personal. That's making it personal to you. It's visualizing the outcome, right? And so you want to visualize that outcome because you're going to be more effective when you get in there. I visualized, I'll give you an example, my own world years ago, I was working for a retail grocery chain, I visualized, you know, when I came in as the the second in command, in a a relatively large, large grocery chain. um, And I had visualized that I was going to actually be the next in command of that location. So I was going to head that up. Of, of a location, didn't have to be that location. Um, and I visualized it all the time. Every time I walked around, it's like, this is my store. This is my location. This is me. I'm running this place, right? And I can tell you, as soon as the first, and I, don't, I was the new guy to the organization. There were a lot of veterans in that organization. People have been around a long time and, and had put in a lot of time and a lot of experience. And six months later, when a new location came up, I beat out 29 competitors. Now, maybe it's an accident, but you know what? I had been visualizing my success for a long time. So we're going to cut to a break. So first, uh, P is pre-qualify. Second one is make it personal. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com.
2: Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance, and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and source sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses breakthrough to great. Visit soniccoaching.com.
0: the bottom line in business. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790.
1: Now, back to Ask the Coach. Welcome back, everyone. Oliver Bazin here with Ask the Coach. So excited to be talking about the 10 P's of selling today. So if you're just joining us, we talked about the first two P's of the 10 P's of selling process that I've developed. This is a complete sales cycle for your business. The first P is pre-qualify. You know, Are they the right client for you? Can, Can they afford your product and service? The second P is then make it personal. So establish some rapport. We talked about how to do that, how to be effective around it. And get to a point where they know, like, and trust you. And that doesn't mean they're your best friend, but they do know, know like, and trust you by the time you've made it personal. Now we're gonna move to the XP in that sales cycle, and that is the problem. So what is it that they want? Find out what they want, and then we're gonna move into, you know, starting to find out what the pain is, what, what the solution is you could provide. So let's talk about that a little bit. So what are the product and services that they're looking for? You know, that's, that was sort of determined at a higher level when you pre-qualified them. But here's where you get to ask a few more questions around that, right? Like, how's that problem showing up for them, right? Or, or what solution are they looking for? And, and what does that solution look like? May not be a problem. Maybe they're just looking to go to a next level. And then from there, find out why they want your product or service. What's the why behind the what, right? So critical. Because, you know, even Simon Sinek, years ago, he came out with his video and, and, and book on, on Start With Why. He talks a lot about people buy why, they don't buy what. So they buy why you are doing things, why you're providing a service. So think about the why for them. What's the why? What's that motivator, right? And we're going to talk about my seven-layer dip here in a few minutes. And, and it'll it, I'll take you through the exact process that I take uh, clients and, and uh, potential clients through. I take them through a seven-layer uh, dip that I call it, and, and gets, that gets really deep on that why. And then what benefit are they trying to receive from your product or service? You know, what ultimately, what's in it for them, right? People love to hear their own favorite radio station, which is WIIFM. What's in it for me? You know, don't start downloading a whole bunch of features and benefits and stuff. No, no, tie it back to their why, Right. So if the if you know why they want it, now you can start talking a little bit about what the benefits are that they'll receive tied back to the why they're even talking to you. You know, what problem are they trying to solve? Right. So, again, if it's a problem they're trying to solve, dig deep on that, you know, figure out what the impact is. Um, and then here I come back to the same thing we talked about making a personal. Is there more than one decision maker? Right. And hopefully by now you've figured out to have them all in the room. So you're not just figuring out the why and the what with the with person you're directly talking to or maybe reached out to you or you reached out to them. But you want to get kind of a total picture from whoever's in the room. If there's three decision makers, you should understand how all three of them are looking at things. Because my experience has been they're not always looking at it from the same lens. And so maybe there's a bunch of a bunch of problems you're trying to solve all at the same time. And then from there, you know, you got to get into the motivation. So in other words, what's the pain point, right? What's the the success look like at the end? You know, if it's not pain, what's the pleasure? How, how are they going to sort of get to a point where, you know, they're excited about what you're about to offer them because you are the solution to the pain, right? So that's our fourth P and that's the pain. You want to dig deep into the pain by asking great questions. You know, great salespeople ask great questions. You know, at the opening of the show, I said telling is not selling. You know, selling is not selling anymore. It's not just about going in and downloading a bunch of information. Questioning is selling. It's about asking great questions. And so let's talk about how you ask great questions. And I call it my my seven-layer dip. The seven-layer dip is fantastic. You know, it was taught to me years ago by somebody that was in the insurance industry, And I've applied it to other industries since then. I've done it live on stage with hundreds of people. I get a volunteer and we go right through it. So I'm going to pretend that you as a listener and I are going to go through the seven layers right now. And we're going to take it out of your industry. We're going to take it out of my industry. And we're going to go to an industry uh, potentially that's not yours. I mean, you might be in this industry, in which case you get kind of a bonus here. Um, But let's talk about a retirement plan because that's somebody that everybody can relate to. So we're going to talk about how... Somebody takes you through the different levels on a retirement plan to get you to the truth, gets you to the emotional state, gets you feeling that you really need this service. You see, if if we stay analytical with the decision making with our potential client, chances are there's a higher probability we may not close them because as humans, you know, up to 80% of our decision making is emotional. It's only 20% analytical. And so if it's 80% emotional, and, and we're still at the analytical stage, well, of course, you may not close them. You know, even the most analytical in- individuals on the world who analyze things for a living, engineers, accountants, those kinds of folks, you know, they sometimes buy things and then analyze it and justify it with data, right? You know, let's, let's talk about accountants. I work with a lot of accounting firms, right? Partners are often driving expensive vehicles, Mercedes and, you know, high-end vehicles, and You know, do they really need a high-end vehicle? Well, no, they've justified it. So they, you know, they they may tell you that, hey, this Mercedes is, it's German engineered, it's reliable. So they've used the data to to back up their emotional purchase, you see. And so that's what being on the seven-layer dip does. So you're coming in to me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to help you with your retirement plan. So we're going to sit down and I'm going to ask you a question. So question number one. Now, the reason it's called my seven layer dip is you usually have to go at least seven layers deep to get people into an emotional state. Sometimes you have to go even further. I've had to go as far as 11 layers deep with somebody who's highly analytical before I could get them really feeling the benefit of, of working with me. And so, you know, you're coming in, you need a retirement plan. So I can say, well, thanks for coming in. Why, why are you here today? Well, I'd like a retirement plan. There, first question's done. Now, is that emotional or is that, you know, more of an analytical Answer Well, of course, it's more analytical, right? They need a retirement plan. So they've had a thought, right? Oh, fantastic. Well, you're in the right place. So tell me what's important about a retirement plan. Now, they may say something like, you know, security, right? I want to be secure in my retirement. I want to make sure my future is looked after. Again, question number two, second layer down, still pretty analytical. Right. There's not a lot of emotion there. They've thought about this before they even walked in. You know, so then I might say, well, what's important about having a secure, you know, plan for your future, for your retirement? And now they're going to start talking about, well, maybe they're going to start talking about things like, well, I just want to make sure that, I, you know, I'm OK in my retirement, that I have enough money and, you know, I'm going to be able to enjoy life and, um, you know, Those kind of answers, right? So they've thought about this, right? Potentially, they've thought about it anyway. And if not, they're thinking about it while you're talking about it. So level three now has taken you down to the level of still analytical, but they're getting a little bit more specific. Now I might ask, well, you know, have you thought about what would you do with, you know, with the money that you're going to have and and the time? Like, what what would you spend your time on? And now they're going to say, well, you know, I've, I've always wanted to travel, right? And so travel becomes number four. Right? So we're still pretty analytical. I wouldn't say we're into a lot of emotion yet. Right, And so from travel, I might say, well, where would you go? And they might say, oh, I just really want to go to Europe. I, I, there's just some countries I want to see there. And I'd love to go to Australia. And I might say, well, that's awesome. You know, and, and I might say something like, you know, why Australia? Oh, well, my son and, and my daughter-in-law live there. My grandchildren are there. Right. And I I just want to see my grandchildren. Now, can you see that they're making a switch here to emotion? Right. Now we're we're at level six, right, with grandchildren and they're getting more and more into an emotional state. Right. And then I, I might say something like, you know, oh, well, will anybody be traveling with you? Right? Or I might go down a different path where I'm saying, you know, what would you do with your grandchildren? Right. And so if I go, what will you do with your grandchildren? That's my seventh question, right? And and they're gonna go, Oh. I just want to be on the beach. I want to make sandcastles with them. I think it'd be just so much fun, right? And so you've, you've got them at that emotional state. You see, now they're at a level where they're being honest. You see, if if you keep them analytical what are you going to do to keep them doing the tough stuff now, which is putting away money potentially every month, right? Investing with you so that they're actually investing for their future, right? If you get them to an emotional state, you can always bring them back, especially if you're taking notes, right? Keep it in the file. You can always take them back as to why they're doing what they're doing, right? Not the what of I need a retirement plan, but the why. And so when you get people to that deep, deep emotional point. Now it can be a pain point. That's why it's the fourth P or it can be a pleasure point, right? We change that P to pleasure. Right. And so that's why you want to get people deep. And in every business, it's the same. Now, some of you going, well, we put stuff out for tender. We don't really have the ability to do that. And you know what? I've worked with large, large companies in the construction industry where things go out for tender. And we have conversations that, you know, even tenders, often there's a a leaning towards people that they know that they've done business with, have relationships with. It's not true. You can still have those meetings, even if they're pre-meetings before the tender goes out. There's always an ability to ask great questions and go deep. And that's why it's a seven-layer dip. Now, if I wasn't in an emotional state, I would just keep going with great questions, right? Till we get them to that emotional state. Now, when you get to the close, it becomes so much easier. Right. Because the close becomes, well, so if we could put a financial plan together where you could have a, a great retirement plan, you're, you know, with good security in your future, you know, exactly what you're going to retire with for money. You know, so you have the ability to, to incorporate some travel to, to some of those beautiful destinations in Europe and Australia to, to see your family and play with your grandchildren in the sandbox. Would we have an opportunity to do business together? You see, if I've gotten them to an emotional state it's not a yes, it's a hell yeah, it's absolutely, there's there's absolutely nothing else I'd rather do than to put money away right now and help get a financial plan built, right, and so I can tell you that the person who taught me this said that when he's taken husbands and wives through this process, often he has to have a box of Kleenex because somebody breaks down, because even as a couple, they've never talked about the why of retirement, they've never gone that deep to really explore what they would be doing together in their retirement, so that's, that's where we're at around the pain, right? So that's our fourth P is you want to take them through that seven-layer dip. Maybe it's 10 layers. Maybe it's 11 layers. This is not a dip you eat like the, the dip for chips. This is a dip that you're going to take people really deep on. And I can tell you that you know, getting people to this state really works. Now, you know, let's say it was in a different industry, you know, even my industry, the coaching industry, often I'll start taking people down to a different level that want to work with a coach, but that's an analytical decision. Somebody told them that maybe I could help, right? And, or maybe they read an article. And so very analytical. And I'll say, well, what's important, you know, what's the reason you want to work with a coach, right? What's the reason you asked me to come in? Now they're going to talk about either their pain point or their vision right it's one of the two right they're either in pain at the moment or they want to go somewhere and then I might go to another level and I might say something you know let's say it's a pain point and uh, what they what I might say to them around that pain point is I might say well okay so you know let's say the pain point is not enough profitability I'll say well what's the impact on the business right now I'm getting them to really think about and feel what it feels like the impact on the business And what's the impact on you personally, right? And they'll often talk about the stress of not working with someone that can actually guide them and help them, you know, have a successful and profitable business. And then I might say, what's the impact on your family, right? Again, they haven't even thought about that, really. They know there's an impact. They know they're stressed. Right. That maybe they know that this is causing, you know, lots of conversation at home and fear. Right. What's the impact on the family? Right. And then let's build a plan together. So right there in that moment, I, I actually started helping them and guide them through a quick, you know, here's what the plan is going to look like. Here's how we're going to get you out of this. And and it again, it works because I've gotten them to the truth because I care. Now, the one thing around this is, is can this be used somewhat, uh, you know, for manipulation? Absolutely. I, often, I don't even like to teach it um, unless I'm comfortable that the person's not going to use it that way. But but I will tell you that, you know, for for you listening out there, there's one word that separates, you know, this from being used properly, which is that you care about your customer, you want to provide a great service, or that you're actually using it to manipulate someone. And that one word is intention. What's your intention? And only you know your intention. If your intention is you're desperate, you have to have a client, you're not making enough money, you got to get this done, you're closing them at any cost probably the wrong intention. If your intention is, you know, I care about my clients, I really want to move uh, move forward with them, I want to help them, you know, I can see the value, like there's a lot of people that are going to be impacted if, if this company shuts down, and, and I really care deeply, then that's the right intention. I can tell you that I went into a, a corporation a number of years ago as their uh, vice president, and they weren't doing well. And I knew that if I didn't, help this company and organization turn around there'd be 130 employees affected which to me was 130 families right my intention was i need to make this happen for them it's that important and we did right and so what's your intention always check in with yourself uh, if you're going to go deep into the pain or the pleasure points with people now we're going to move to a break and so i'm going to just give you a couple of minutes to kind of catch up and uh, take some notes as we go to break and uh, when we come back i'm really excited because now we're going to get more into the presentation side of the selling we're going to get into the you know how do you how do you you know move to selling it how do you move to, to proving that you can do it and, and then getting to a close so stay with us we'll be right back
0: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network at sonic breakthrough coaching we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need you can focus on the horizon break barriers and navigate change stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit SonicCoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at SonicCoaching.com.
2: Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com.
0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790.
1: Now, back to Ask the Coach. Welcome back, everyone. Oliver Basner here with Ask the Coach. So excited to be sharing Sonic's 10 pieces selling with you today. Um, this is a complete sales cycle, whether you're in a, in a very complicated business, whether you're in a more of a simple product or service that you're selling, this works, it's self-perpetuating, it just drives great volume and revenue for my clients, and so let me just recap if you've just joined us, you know, we're going to talk about the first P, which is pre-qualify, you know, in the pre-qualification, P, what you really want to do qualification p can't talk today are they the right client for you you want to pre-qualify are they even the right client do you want to do business with them right and can they afford your product or service no point going through a whole sales process if you realize that maybe you don't have a product or service you can offer them and so maybe you just need to recommend somebody else that they work with that you might know in the marketplace that might be the right fit you know from that p you want to go to personal establishing rapport making sure you get to a point where at least they know like and trust you as you're going through that sales process with them uh, third p is the problem you know identifying what it is what is the problem and what's the pain point get into the pain that's our fourth p dig deep into the pain we just finished talking about my seven layer dip i gave you the example how you would take somebody through a seven layer dip i love the seven layer dip there's just magic in that particular process because people are we're emotional creatures Right. We make emotional decisions. You know, really, that's why I say you have to establish some rapport under personal, because if they don't like you, you know, they've already made an emotional decision. I don't like that guy. I'm not actually going to do business with him. Right. So um, get them to an emotional state so that now they're getting to the truth of the why behind why they want to do business or potentially want to do business with you. We're going to go to our fifth P. Our fifth P is the pitch. Okay. so you've gotten to the point where you know what they want, you know why they want it. You know, you fully are clear on, on the, the why, the benefit that they're needing from this. So, you know, if you've asked great questions, you, you know, the pitch becomes easy because you know exactly how to present to what they're looking for, provided your product or service is the right fit. If at that point you realize, hey, it's not a good fit, you may actually have to just say, you know what, we're just going to have to stop here because uh, I don't think I can help you, right? I've done that, right? I've done that with clients. If, if I couldn't help them, I just told them. Right. Because what's the point in in me wasting a lot of money and them spending a bunch of uh, me wasting a lot of time and them spending a lot of money if uh, if it doesn't make sense. So when you're pitching, you know, here's some things you want to think about around the pitch. Right. You know, there's going to be potentially um, some unspoken objections that come up. Right. And what are those unspoken objections before you even get to the close? You know, one of them is how can I trust you? And, you know, this is a great question But often my clients will say, well, I'm not really sure how they can trust me. Well, I can tell you that one of the things you should never walk into a a presentation with is without some testimonials of some kind, right? Um, If the client's asking you, how can I trust you? Or there's an unspoken objection. You kind of know. They're kind of wondering whether they can actually believe you or, or you know, trust you to do business with you. You know, share the testimonials. Now, Again, you have to read the client. I don't share testimonials with every client because in fact, in some cases, it might hurt me. You know, if I've got a client, you know, I've done some work with a former NHL hockey team. You know, if I've got a client who hates hockey, all of a sudden they're judging me that maybe I don't want to do business with this guy, right? Now, if I've got a potential client who loves hockey and I know that, then I might share that testimonial because they go, wow, you worked with them? Like, that's amazing, right? And, you know, um, and then they're all of a sudden I'm in a better light. So how can I trust you is, is, a, is a question you can answer. It, it may not get asked, but it's unspoken. And so you simply get a read on what's going on. And then make sure you've got some testimonials in writing. You can use video testimonials on your phone, whatever works for you or on your presentation. Now, is what I'm offering credible? Right. So testimonials get you the credibility. But the other thing that does, especially if you're more in a, in a consulting or financial role, is bring some stats, right? So, you know, I have case studies, right? I've, I've done a lot of work with a lot of different size companies. And so I'll just bring some statistics, you know, here's, here's what's going on, right? I've never had a client fail while they've worked with me, right? That's one of my stats, right? Here, I can prove this, you know, here's a case study. I took a client through a similar situation as you. Here's what happened. Here's what the client had to say about me, right? So I've got the testimonial in with the case study, right? So that's how you start taking it to a level um, where you're creating some credibility, now, the un, unspoken question, which I mentioned earlier, is the everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM, what's in it for me, me being the potential client. You know, if you haven't dug deep enough with your questions, you won't be able to answer this effectively. But if you've done the digging through that seven-layer dip that I talked about, you should know the answer or the answers. Uh, that you can provide that are important to that potential client right so you are now going to provide the solution in a step-by-step method and process now some of you are wondering well what if I've already got my PowerPoint built my presentations already and it's not in the right order quite frankly I've been known to, you know because when you bring it down off your, off your laptop it leaves the big screen I've been known to quickly move things around Right. And so if I have to move a presentation around and, you know, I'm, I'm going to potentially provide answers before I've dug deep enough on the what's in it for them. Um, I might move a, move a presentation around, right? And usually I'll get them to do something while I'm doing that. Well, while, you know, I'm just going to have a quick look at my presentation here. Uh, there's a slide I want to bring up for you, right? Which is the truth. There's a different slide I'm going to bring up, right? And then I'll just say to them, you know, while I'm doing that, maybe if you want to have a look at, you know, if there's any questions you have for me, maybe that potentially I haven't asked you yet, right? And so, you know, make sure On this one, that you've dug deep enough. And then, you know, there's that unspoken objection. Who cares? Wow. Like, if that's the unspoken objection, you're getting a feeling like they've checked out on you and, you know, they're kind of looking around the room and they're looking bored and they're looking at their watch. And now, if they're looking at their watch, maybe you've just gone too long, right? But it's the same problem. And that means you've talked too much about yourself. You've talked too much about yourself. You've talked too much about the company. You've talked too much about the product or the service that you're offering. And you haven't asked enough questions, right? Like, they don't care right? They, you know, ultimately people really don't care um, about what you have to say until you've connected the dots to what's important to them. And so when you're getting to that pitch, you know, you've got to make sure that's not going to be an unspoken objection. Don't talk too much, ask great questions, right? And I will say, if you get this next unspoken objection, which is I still don't understand what you're saying or they look confused or they're asking more and more questions because they just don't get it, right? Now this, the problem is that possibly you just don't have a concise and, and efficient and easy way for you to pitch your product. And so you know, here's what I, how I like to you know, kind of share that with you. What you've got to do, and we've all heard about elevator pitches and, um, and speaking at a level lower than your education level, you know, this is where this is important. So let's break that into two parts. The elevator pitch, No, you know, the concept behind the elevator pitch is your your ideal, magical prospect gets on the elevator, which you've got maybe 10 floors before they're going to get off or you're going to get off, right, to the top floor. And you've got literally 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds if it's 20-story building, right? And so you've got 15 to 30 seconds, to talk to them and give them a quick pitch right like that's how concise you really should be able to talk about what it is you do i've been to networking events where i've i've asked i remember asking a gentleman three times to explain what he does right and after the third time i gave up it was like i don't get it like this guy's talked for five minutes and i still don't know what he does right and so you know your elevator pitch is a concise way if you can get it down to 15 to 30 seconds Then expand it from there. And if people can get it in 15 to 30 seconds, they're going to get it when you present it effectively in a boardroom or to a potential client in their office. You know, the second part of that is speak at a level lower than your education level. You know, probably a grade six level is good. If a grade six student can understand it, you're probably speaking in a language that makes sense, especially if you're highly technical, If the product or service you're selling is highly technical and you're presenting it to non-technical people, how are they going to follow you? How are they going to follow along on this conversation? Now, I'm not saying don't ever present technical because sometimes you have to bring a technical expert in because they have a technical expert in the room as well. And those two folks need to talk at a higher level and probably the rest of the room is going to be bored or check out, right? But for the most part, you want your, your level to be at around that grade six level. Um, I can tell you that I met a gentleman who's, who's brilliant, who, um, you know, writes business plans and does all that for, for businesses. And his business plans actually get approved. You know, usually he's got a very high success rate of getting funding for the client with the business plan. Right. But the man's a scholar. The man's highly educated. And he speaks at that level. I actually said to him one day, we were having coffee, and I said, you know, you know you speak at a level that people probably don't follow you. Right, and he said, "Yeah, I've been told that," and I kind of explained to him what I meant. Is that you know you're speaking at such a highly educated level, you've got to have the ability to, you know, and I the words I used with him were "dumb it down." Not that the rest of us are dumb or stupid. It's just he's so educated, speaking at such a high level on on his area of specialty that he forgets to bring it down to the level of what's in it for me, right? And so we talked about that over lunch, and so those are the unspoken objections. How can I trust you? Is it credible? what's in it for me, me being the potential client, who cares, horrible if that comes up, means you've just done way too much talking, start asking more questions, and I still don't understand what you're saying, means you just haven't found a great way to talk about your product or service, and you need to get that concise, and get it to a level where a grade six student can understand it. Now, once you've you've gone through that, you know, and you've been through the pitch, now you get to go to the proof, which is the next P, so that is our sixth P, proof. Right, and so you know the biggest thing that that haunts salesperson, and I'm going to use haunt as an acronym H A U N T, that haunts salesperson when they try to get to a potential close with a customer, is the following. So the H in haunt stands for hurt. You know, if if you're going to have objections and people, you know, really throwing a lot of questions out at you, means you've missed something, right? So. The hurt is you haven't found the pain point to degrade, create the desire for your product or service. right? So that's why that's the H and haunt. You've got to find that pain point, go back to the seven layer dip, start over right? if you can. And if you can't, then just from that point, just start figuring out because now the objections are going to haunt you. And so the the A, the A in, in haunt is afford. Right? Your prospect doesn't have the money to pay or the timing is wrong right? So what have you done? Well, you haven't pre-qualified them correctly. You probably should have caught that in the first P in the pre-qualification stage. And so if you if your client can't afford it, you're kind of stuck, right? You're either going to have to drop your price, right? Or you're going to have to walk away uh, or find them a way to, to get the money, right? And so what I did years ago is I had a, a relationship with uh, one of the major banks here in the country. And so when clients couldn't afford it, The bank would actually see me as an insurance policy. So if they had, you know, money out with the bank or a loan with the bank, and the bank had brought me in to talk to them, right? The bank would lend them the additional money just because I became the insurance policy that they weren't going to go bankrupt and lose the bank's money, right? So you know, find a new way for them to afford it, if at all possible. I'm not a big fan of discounting your price. I mean, you know, you can do it strategically, but. That that isn't my first go to uh, when I re- you know when I'm working with clients. It's not what I recommend to them. You know the you and haunt is urgency, right? You have to create a sense of urgency. Do you have a compelling offer to get them to take action, right? What is that compelling offer? How are you going to get them to that urgency? Because again, if a client says, "I need to think about it," I'm going to think about it for six months. You know, but I'm I'll be honest with you. Clients usually don't think about stuff that long. They usually don't think about it more than after you've left the room because they're busy, right? So you really want to get all the objections off the table so you don't get haunted by the objections. You know, the N in in haunt is need. You know, does the client actually need your product or service? Again, if this comes up as an objection, they're not really sure they need you. Maybe you missed something in the pre-qualification stage, right? You didn't go and do enough research. You didn't actually find out what, you know, what the reason was they were even sitting down with you. Um, so you didn't pre-qualify your prospect, and therefore now that question is haunting you. Now, if we go to the T in the acronym for haunt, it's TRUST, Right? So if they don't know or they're unsure they can trust you, remember we talked about testimonials being one way, uh, strong referral is often another way if you've been referred to by somebody that they trust, um, much easier for you. right? Maybe you've got a list of people they can contact that you've worked with that can talk about you. You know, here's a list of three or four clients I've worked with, right? You know, uh, uh, please give them a call. I don't even need to let them know you're calling because, you know, they, they have given me permission to give you their name, and they know that every once in a while randomly somebody might call them, right? Now, that's pretty compelling proof that they can trust you because you don't even have to set this up in advance, right? And so trust. If they don't trust you, you've missed something along the way of, Potential clients need to know, like, and trust you to do business with you. And so that's haunt, hurt, afford, urgency, need, trust. This is what haunts salespeople all the time. And, you know, that's why I talk about it on this show. That's why I talk about it as part of the sales cycle. And, you know, as we move forward, what I want you to know is we are going to get into the final three P's on our next show and I'll give you a hint the next one is Pounce which is really buying signals are there ask for the sale don't oversell we're going to talk about Pounce and we're going to talk about the other two Ps and I've got a bonus P for you on the next show but here's the exciting thing I'm actually going to go through my nine favorite closes and how I deal with the close So as part of the sales process. So you're going to find that my nine closes, I mean, if you look on the Internet, there's there's up to 50 different closes that you can use. Yet, I'm going to show you the top nine. These are the ones that I use, and there's one or two that I use more. And so that's going to be our next show. And so looking forward to uh, sharing, continuing to share the 10 P's of selling with you. Hopefully this has been helpful. Just to recap, we talked about re-qualify, make it personal, figure out what the problem is, dig deep on the pain, pitch your solution, provide proof. Next show, we're going to go to Pounce. Thanks, everyone. Look forward to speaking with you next Tuesday.
0: Thank you for listening. Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a Sky High week.